You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past, the podcast that focuses on inspiring you to move forward from what's been holding you back in life. Each week, we talk with clinicians, coaches, mental health advocates, and those who've overcome tremendous odds and now use their journey to encourage you throughout yours. I'm Matt Pappas, Certified Coach and NLP Master Practitioner, alongside Joanne Suppressi, Author, Certified Coach, and Hypnotherapist. In addition to talking with amazing guests on the show, we share practical tips and insightful strategies that empower and encourage you to break free from anxiety, self-doubt, and the negative mindsets that keep you stuck. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Greetings, friend, and welcome back to the podcast. Before we get started, we want to take just a second and thank our incredible sponsors. INLP Center, offering world-class online neurolinguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. If you've ever considered becoming a coach or simply want more information on their programs, just head over to inlpcenter.org. And to Daily Recovery Support, Interactive daily group calls in a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. So this episode is in support of Rare Disease Recovery and GBS CIDP Awareness Month, which happens in May. And we're talking with Jeremy Oster. Jeremy is a fellow survivor of Guillain-Barre syndrome who reached out to me a couple of months back after hearing a previous podcast where I shared my update on my recovery from GBS. And we chatted for a while, swapping stories, thoughts, struggles, and life before and after GBS. And I thought it would be cool to bring him on the podcast in support of GBS CIDP awareness to kind of talk about his experience with the disease, primarily around his life and what it was like before he got GBS, what it's been like since, how he copes finding his new normal, and the way he approaches life now. Jeremy shares openly about his experiences in hopes of encouraging others to be inspired and proactive in their recovery. If you'd like to learn more about Guillain-Barre syndrome, head over to gbs-cidp.org to learn more about the different variations, treatment options, and how you can get involved in supporting research for more advanced treatments and hopefully one day a cure. So let's jump into that chat with Jeremy Oster and learn more about GBS and support of GBS CIDP starting right now. So hey everybody, welcome back to Beyond Your Past. Matt and Joanne here and our special guest today is Jeremy. He is a fellow survivor of GBS or Guillain-Barre syndrome. And so we're going to take some time, learn about his story uh, share some of what uh, GBS is in case you've never heard of it. Jeremy and I will share some of our um, individual experiences and also hopefully give you some more information in case um, you know this is a topic that uh, interests you. So Jeremy, welcome to the show, man. It's great to have you here with us, dude. Oh, no. And thank you so much for having me, Matt. I, I you know, um, just just to, to add a little to your intro there, I Matt, I, you and I actually met because I was actually looking for some connections in the GBS community and you came up and we had had a conversation that's what led to this so i just wanted to thank you actually anyway continue <laughs> oh well thank you very much i appreciate it sure. and yes yeah the uh 
the uh, GBS community for e- even though this is a a rare disease, the the community is is strong and is large, and and people really come together in you know Facebook groups and emails and and websites and podcasts, just reaching out for support uh, because so much of this disease is really uh, you know um, misunderstood and and you know for all the research that the official foundation does and all the research that is still out there to be done, there is still a lot that is not known, and so we're going to talk some more about your story today and of course my story. So why don't we jump right into it? And Joanne, if you have any questions for him, we can fire away. Yeah, I do, because um, I'm not familiar too much with GBS. Uh, So, you know, if you could explain, Jeremy, um, what GBS is, you know, to me and to those who are not very familiar with this disease. Yeah. Okay. so let me start by I'm going to I will give you two sides. I will give you the medical side. And I, by the way, I'm not a doctor, so don't take everything I say from, you know, an absolute standpoint, but I will give you my understanding from the medical standpoint, and then I'll give you kind of the more practical sort of what it, what it feels like. Okay. Okay. Typically. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, what, what GBS or Guillain-Barre really is, is a, it's an, it's an autoimmune response that your body has to an infection that it, well, that it believes there's an infection. So, um, Typically, you get a cold, you get a flu kind of a symptom, you get any kind of uh, anything that, you know, you start sneezing, your body is responding to some kind of outside force, some bacteria, some virus, whatever, whatever, whatever it may be. And okay. uh, typically, it will respond with antibodies. Um, in the case of GBS, and, you know, as Matt had mentioned earlier, this is rare, um, your body misinterprets what's going on. And it responds incorrectly. And what will happen is your body will create, um, I believe they're proteins um, that will go and they will go and attack what they believe is um, is an adversary in your body. Um, but actually, they go and attack your nerves, your nervous system. Okay. So um, when I say attack, be more formal. Um, the the process is called demyelination. So you have nerves that run throughout your body, right? And as yes. we all know, or many of us understand, the way that we move our fingers, the way that we see, talk, breathe, eat, swallow, taste, see, hear, everything is controlled by these nerves that are connected to our brains and our spinal column. And um, when GBS uh, syndrome occurs, your body goes and attacks your nerves. And what it does is it doesn't really cut them, but it takes the insulation off. Much like if you were to peel the, the uh, insulation off wire in your home, um, it would expose that wire. And it would uh, create a, a circumstance where the signal, you know, if you think about it like a speaker or maybe your headphones, it, you know, maybe you've had a headphone um, wire and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of gotten a little, you know, frazzled and, um, you start hearing static. That's that's kind of a, a, a similar kind of analogy to what happens with GPS patients. So we, on very different levels, will experience this demyelination. And as a result, you know, any of the things that I mentioned, any of the senses that I mentioned will be affected. Most typically, it's 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 uh, muscle related. It's walking related. It's um, range of motion related. Um, it could be it could be related to your ability to breathe. 
in some very, very extreme cases, people stop breathing and they have to be traked. On the more, uh, on the other extreme of that, there are people that um, are diagnosed with GBS, but you know, they walk in a hospital, they feel something a little strange, and they walk out a week or two later. And um, you know, those are the two different. You know, I'm talking about extremes. So, um, what does it feel like? Well. I guess the best way that I could describe how it feels, if you've ever fell asleep on your arm and then, or your arm has fallen asleep, or maybe you've fallen asleep with your arm falling asleep, and then you wake up and you kind of feel like your arm doesn't move or it doesn't respond quickly, um, which I think is pretty common for most people, that's kind of what GBS feels like. But if you could imagine that, Kind of a, and Matt, maybe you can. I don't know if you could add some color to that, or you think that that's not a good analogy, but um, that's kind of what it feels like. Um, typically, it's a loss of sensation. So, in my case, uh, it's affected my balance, my coordination, my ability to walk. Um, uh, initially, my my facial expressions, my ability to taste. Initially, um, a lot of neurological conditions like that. Um, most prevalent for me has been really my balance. Um, that's been an issue, but from, you know, kind of making you understand or trying to help you understand the way it feels, um, I've lost sensation in like my feet, so I don't feel them. So therefore when I walk, I have to look at my feet to know where they are. Um, there's another word called proprioception, uh, that's used with, uh, Guillain-Barre and proprioception is kind of like what we would call kind of like our sixth sense. It's kind of knowing where your body is in space. Mm -hmm. um, and it's something you probably, you don't think about very often. Um, you might think about it if you were in a very dark room and you're trying to navigate and you couldn't see. That's when proprioception is something that would be apparent to you. Um, typically with Guillain-Barre or GBS patients, our proprioception is affected where we don't know where we are uh, in terms of where our body parts are. So it makes it difficult for us to function. So yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. That's kind of what it feels like. I don't want to ramble on too much, but I will say that you know, knowing Matt, you know, Matt and I had had the conversation months, months ago, and we talked about GBS, and he had told me, pretty matter of fact, he said, "Hey, listen, you know, you know, I'm a GBS survivor too. I walked in the hospital, and I walked out of the hospital. Now, I I wasn't as, I'll say, fortunate." I walked in the hospital and I didn't walk out of a facility for another six months. So I had a little bit more of a severe condition. Um, I was not trached. I did not stop breathing. But I, again, you know, I lost pretty much all of my muscle, all of my, uh, all my muscle, uh, most of my muscles atrophied. I couldn't move. I mean, and, you know, I, uh, I, and, you know, it was a ridiculously crazy experience for me on top of the fact that, you know, I was a healthy person before that. I mean, fairly healthy. So. Well, it's, it sounds like um, each person's experience with GPS may be very different from another person's. It sounds like there are a lot of different types of um, loss of sensations that a person can experience and they can differ from one person to another? Yeah, I mean, I would definitely say that's accurate. I don't think that there's really a baseline. And, you know, part of, yeah. you know, Matt had again said earlier, this is a rare disease. Part of what makes it so rare is just the fact that the way that it presents itself 
is so different from person to person. And to exemplify that, I spend a lot of time on the Facebook support groups for GBS. Mm -hmm. I was doing it initially for me, and now I'm finding myself doing it a lot more for other people. But it's really interesting that you can hear such a varied amount of different experiences. And some of those experiences, like I said, you know, to me, it's, it's bewildering because you can have people who they were athletes and they, they got GBS and they have lost their ability to function, maybe half of their body, or maybe um, they have some issues with one leg or a foot or something like that, but they are devastated, emotionally devastated, psychologically devastated. On the on the other side of the spectrum, you can have somebody who is in a wheelchair, has been in a wheelchair for for some time, um, doesn't have a you know as as good of an outlook uh, in terms of getting out of a wheelchair, and you know they are you know much more mentally and emotionally sound. And you know I cannot figure this out for the life of me. I, I, I maybe it's just the kind of person you were before. Um, Maybe it isn't. I, I don't know. But uh, it's it's such a diverse um, outcome and symptoms and feelings and all those kind of things. So, yes, I agree with you, Joanne. Wow. Well, th- thank you for sharing all the information. Um, it's very help. It helps me understand uh, GPS a lot more than I did previous to uh, talking with you. Um, so now it makes me wonder though, what were your first symptoms that you experienced that made you actually seek, um, medical help or answers to what you were experiencing? What happened to you personally? So, um, to answer the question, I should tell you that uh, my background has been in technology for the past 22 years. Um, you know, I kind of started out as like your regular normal IT kind of guy and I moved into know more of like a architectural role i worked at a lot of big banks i designed a lot of big networks and that was my job for a while then i moved into um kind of a sales oriented position where i was working with a bunch of salesmen selling very expensive it gear um, around the country Uh, so at the time that this happened i i was probably peaking in my professional state meaning I was making more money than I'd ever made in my life. I was traveling about three to four days out of the week. I was either on a plane or in my car or doing whatever. I have three children who at the time um, were very active, a lot of activities. They were very involved in sports. I mean, we had a very active household. Um, I was really burning the candle at both ends. And that's, you know, there's no... No, that's just really the way it was. I was very stressed out. I was very um, burned out. I was feeling just like deflated, like I had no energy. Um, So I got a little cold and I really didn't think much of it. I thought, you know, maybe I'm working too hard. I need to take it easy. I ended up being on the couch for about a week. And after about a week, I wasn't feeling any better. I called my doctor. Um, and the long story short is I went to the hospital and I was actually diagnosed with something called Epstein-Barr, which is kind of like a mono. Uh, it's kind of like mono. 
and they said, you know, you're going to feel like garbage for a couple of weeks, but you're going to be okay. I come home and uh, I'm back on the couch for another week. And at the end of the second week, I had gone, I think it was, I went outside to let my dog out in the backyard. And as I'm walking like down the steps to go outside, I just feel really strange. Like I feel like I'm impaired. My walking is impaired. I feel like my arms are heavier than normal. And it was the strangest feeling. I'd never really felt that way before. But I almost immediately knew that there was something not right. And this did not feel right. And, um, you know, hours later, I'm in the emergency room again. And, you know, a couple hours after that, I'm admitted and I'm in, like, the ICU. And it's a little foggy. um, But probably within the next six hours, I was told that I have this thing called Nyambre, which, by the way, I'd never heard of before either. So uh, that was that was kind of how my onset worked. So what were you feeling and going through at that time? What was your emotional state when you when you discovered all of this? Very interesting. Um, And it's a great question because I I am not a a, I'm not a person that likes either doctors or hospitals. I've always been an avoider of that um, to the extreme. My wife is a nurse, by the way, but regardless of that, I, I avoid at all costs, doctors, hospitals, anything medical related that I can. This must have been really challenging then for you to even turn to a doctor for these symptoms then. Well, what, what was challenging to me was when they told me that I had this, I told them, mm-hmm. are you sure? Because I need to go home because I need to go back to work. Yeah. I need My kids are home. I need to get out of here. Just give me whatever you got to give me. I need to be out. I need. I can't be in this hospital. And, you know, the doctor's looking at me like I have like six heads and he's like, I don't think you quite understand what we're telling you, but we have to watch you because you might stop breathing. And I'm saying, what are you talking I'm not going to stop breathing. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. I'm fine. You know, I'm fine. I'm fine. I don't know what's going on. I just give me whatever pill you have, whatever thing you got to do. Let's do this. And. You know, let me go. Home. Let me go back to my career and my family. <laughs> let me go back to my life. Yes. Yes. I've yes. already been on the couch mm-hmm. for a week and a half. That's like, you know, a week and a half more than I normally would allow. So that was my attitude. And was it the best attitude? Probably not. Um, was it what I used to manage? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and emotionally, uh, it probably took me another week. Because from the time that I probably was diagnosed in the hospital to the time when um, I really lost my ability to start like moving and my range of motion and uh, my balance was like, that was probably a couple days. And when that happened and maybe a week after that, I definitely thought that I might die. And that was oh, probably wow. the first time. Yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, because. I never felt like this before and I had no idea really what was going on. And, mm-hmm. you know, doctors follow protocol, so they can only tell you so much because they don't really know. And, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was a difficult time. I mean, that, that was difficult. And then, you know, just being in a hospital for a, a while and then going to a, a rehab facility and then going to, uh, you know, what is essentially a nursing home. It's, uh, it's emotionally not very healthy, I don't think, for anybody. So um, I can also imagine that this must have affected your family, too. So, 
like how were their responses to what you were going through? It's it's interesting. I um, you know, I'm very blessed that I had had a, a very supportive wife. Prior to me getting sick, we I had been going through a lot in my marriage, talking about separating, and I was thinking about moving out. And you know, I'm being honest with you and telling you how it was, but. You know, and that may have also led itself to me not feeling great or whatever. But anyway, um, I will say that, you know, during my time in the hospital, she was nothing but supportive. And, you know, the interesting part was that she would come, she'd bring my children. But, you know, after a while, like kids don't want to be in a hospital. They don't want to see their dad in a hospital. They don't want to be in a hospital. They don't really want, you know, it's, it's not a good scene. You know, I wouldn't either. Um, which was difficult, you know, because after a while, and again, I spent a long time in these facilities. After a while, you know, my children were just kind of like, I don't, you know, like, I don't want to go see dad, you know, and I can't really say that I blame them. So it was difficult. I mean, um, from a family perspective, after I came home, it was really difficult for me to watch everybody kind of living their lives and not really being partic- like a participant. I, when I, and when I did come home, I came home in a wheelchair, so I couldn't walk. Um, um, yeah. I, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it was, it's definitely been, it's definitely been tough on my family. Um, now, where are you now? Like, you know, you were, you came home and you were in a wheelchair. Are you still in a wheelchair or are no. you further past that point now? No, I'm past that point. So I came home oh, using a wheelchair and... Then I graduated to using a walker, and then okay. I graduated to using a cane. And uh, if I go outside my house, I bring the cane with me. Inside my house, I don't. I don't really use. Um, okay. Now, as, as far as recovery, I've had a you know what I would consider slow recovery because I still have tremendous issues with balance. Um, I go to physical therapy either two to three times a week. And then if I'm not in physical therapy, I'm in the gym. And I've kind of had to dedicate my life to getting better, which is kind of weird because I never really thought about that before this. And I never would have considered that that would be something that I would have to do. Um, And it sucks. It's really not really great. Um, Yeah. I mean, my life has really come full circle to, you know, a focus on just this whole one thing I just was thinking of when you're talking about all the hard work you have to put into this is you have to have a lot of um, self-worth and self-love and, you know, self-compassion, I would assume, in order to, you know, keep pushing yourself to become better. Um, do those things motivate you? You know, and if those things motivate you or not, like what else motivates you to keep going? Because, you know, I'll tell you, you know, um, a, one of the biggest issues that I have dealt with is that I get called selfish a lot. And um, I think that it you makes have sense. to be selfish. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I think you have to be selfish because mm-hmm. you like at the end of the day, you're the only person that really can facilitate your progress. And at the end of the day you have to live in your body and you have to live with the thoughts that go through your head and you have to live with the way you feel. So 
I think I have been very selfish in a way, but not in, not in like, I guess the derogatory sense where like, I want to be selfish. It's more like I have to kind of put priorities around me because I, you know, for me, I have to make sure that I stay emotionally stable, psychologically stable, and, you know, do whatever I can physically. You know, the whole thing with this is, and I think this is, this, I think this goes for most or many people with GBS, is it's very, it take, it's a huge emotional toll that it takes on you. You know, because we go from doing things we would never have thought about twice. I mean, if you think about this, think about you're probably sitting down in a chair, maybe at a desk. You're going to get off the phone call. You're going to hang up the phone, whatever. You're going to get up and you're going to go do whatever. You want to go grab a glass of a juice or you want to make some lunch for yourself. You're going to go. You it probably do, you probably don't even think about it. You just do it. Now, somebody I'll use myself as an example. Somebody like me, that's like a whole, that's like an activity. Like that's a whole thing. I got to plan it out. I got to think about it. I got to put a lot of effort into it. Sometimes I got to put effort into just getting up out of the chair. Sometimes I have to put effort into getting something out of the fridge or putting something back in the fridge. Sometimes I have to put a lot of effort into putting something like peanut butter on a piece of bread and then carrying that plate to a table. These are things that are like, that can be overwhelming. And when you really break your whole day down, it just becomes a series of very small things that most people would consider uneventful. So uh, I don't know if that gives you any color into kind of what that's sort of like, but you know, that's kind of what it's been like for me. The story that you're, you're sharing about, you know, I just, one of the, one of the big things you brought up, Jeremy, and that, I found interesting too was uh, yes, like you and I have 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 somewhat dif- uh, different experiences, but also somewhat similar. And one of the things too that right before my GBS started or I got it, um, I was burning the candle at both ends too. You know, I was you know recording two three times a week. I'm doing a coach. I you know I, I'm working full time. I was a coach on the side. I'm running a blog. I'm a you know, father, doing all the things, and I was. I was literally running myself into the ground and I got, uh, you know, sick with some type of chest infection uh, about a week or so before Christmas that my son had brought home from school because he had it. And then I got it. And then, uh, you know, I started to feel a little bit better after about a week. And then a couple of days after I started to feel better, it hit me like a freight train and I was down. Um, you know, I had problems with my speech and my balance and not being able to swallow yeah. and taste and walk and weakness and all all the things that many um, you know, people do. And the research is still ongoing, but I have to think that the more research is done, the more they'll find that overexerting yourself, not doing good self-care, uh, you know, as we said, burning the can on both ends contributes in some way to, to, to getting this, you know, to getting this disease. It has to, because I mean, as random as it is in terms of, you know, whether it's a cold or the flu or some other infection that you have your body being in, in, in a weakened state has to um, really account for at least some of the severity, if not the onset of this thing. I mean, I, yeah, yeah, certainly. I think you're right. I mean, you know, not to dispute any of what you're saying, but one thing that I've found in talking to a lot of people is that we, we get very, also very hung up on how did we get it? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to know, how did you get it? Yeah. How did we get it? And even if you go to the message boards where people talk about it, 
the forums, whatever, you find that very common um, theme. How did I get it? How did I get it? How did I get it? I got it from a flu shot. I got it from this. I got it from that. I have given up on bothering to ask people how you got it, how you came across, you know, acquiring this. I think that, in my opinion, it doesn't really matter. Because at the end of the day, however you got it, if an alien came down and zapped you on the head and you got GBS, it, you have GBS. It doesn't matter. You, it's, it's how are you going to, how, how are you going, what are you going to do now? You know, what's your plan? Are you going to sit there and are you going to cry yourself to sleep every night? Are you going to, you know, are you going to let yourself fall into a depressive state? Are you going to find some strength inside you to, you know, keep going? Are you going to get in touch with people who could help you? Are you going to, you know, just put some effort forth to get better? Or you just want to talk to me about how you got it? Because quite frankly, if you just want to talk to me about how we got it, I, there's not much of a conversation that I can have with you because I do not think that's going to help somebody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, you're right. You're right. You know, like whenever, whenever you hop on a message board, um, you know, the, the first thing, and I think, I think, I think this question comes up at least once a week on the boards is how did you get it or whatever. And of course everybody, of course. Oh, got the flu shot, got this, got that. Right. And you're right. right. Ultimately it doesn't really matter, but uh, you know, the first question, you know, especially when you're new to this, Sure. You find kind of some kind of peace or kind of a misery loves company type of thing of, you know, how did yeah. this happen? And so it gives you a bit of a sense of, I don't know, belonging, if, if, if nothing else. But over time, ultimately, I think, again, my opinion, some degree of your recovery depends on how much effort you put into it, not only physically. I mean, we know you have to go through physical therapy and speech therapy and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the emotional side of it, of, what are you going to do with this now? Like you've got it, you know, it's there. You didn't ask for it. It sucks. But now what are you going to do? And so for right. me, I had to really take on the idea of, I got to use this to try and figure out how to help other people. Like literally when I was laying in the hospital for a week, and of course, you know, you can't do much laying in the hospital, getting IVIG treatments twice a day. You're just watching TV and, you know, hoping maybe walk here and there if you can with, with the help right. of a nurse. And so I spent a lot of time in, in a hospital bed watching TV and listening to music and thinking, how long is it going to be till I can type? How long is it going to be until I can speak properly? How long is it going to be till I can do what I'm normally doing so I can use th this experience to help others? And so that's, that's what's driven me because believe me, I went through the whole depressive state. I went through everything sucks. This is terrible. My life is over. I mean, I went through that and I, and, and, and I sat with that for quite a while and mm -hmm. I had to fight way, my way through it because I didn't want to be like that. I'm like, you know, I'm in my mid forties. I've got this. I've never spent any time in the hospital in my life. I've been relatively healthy for most of my whole life in terms of, you know, not never getting anything less than like, or worse than the flu. And right. now I've got, and my life is turned upside down, but I've got to figure out a way to use this to my advantage rather than just being miserable, isolated, and, you know, ultimately kind of feeling sorry for myself. Certainly. Yeah. No, I mean, I couldn't agree with what you said more because I feel I felt the same way. I've certainly been through exactly those same feelings. And, you know, I mean, there are times when I still go through those feelings. I still have those feelings and it takes a tremendous amount of effort for me to overcome that a lot of times. A tremendous amount of, I don't even know what the word is, but 
of uh, maybe it's positive thinking. Maybe it's just like, you know, I can't sit here and watch the clock spin or whatever. I mean, it's difficult, you know, it's definitely, it's definitely difficult. And it's, uh, it's hard to watch the world working when you can't, it's hard to watch people do things when you have difficulty doing them. Um, a lot of people like to tell me who have DBS, actually, even physical therapists have told me, they're like, listen, there's nothing you can't do. You just are going to be doing it. It's going to be more difficult. And sometimes the, the idea of doing it outweighs the difficult uh, or the level of difficulty that you're going to undertake. Other times, um, the difficulty will outweigh it and you'll decide not to do it. And what I'm kind of noticing is that as I sort of progress through, if you want to call this a recovery, I suppose, um, I'm starting to try to weigh that better. Because if I go back, like even, I don't know, even maybe four or five months ago, there were times when I'd be hungry. And instead of me going and like either going to get some food or prepare some food or whatever, I would rather not eat because it's, it's less difficult to not eat than to go through the agita of, you know, trying to, to get some, 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 some food in your stomach. I know that sounds really weird, but, um, it's, it's very accurate for me anyway. Um, Oh so, yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And, and you're right. There, there are certain things that I know right now that, that I really can't do anymore and that's okay. But there are, you know, most things that, I did before I can do now you're right, but I do them slower or more methodically, yeah. or I've kind of adapted differently. Um, yeah. you know, how, you know, for example, uh, you know, dealing with, uh, extreme heat, you know, causing me to lose my balance and get out of breath or, you know, things like that. So I have to be careful about doing right. things when I'm outside, when it's, when, when it's hot out or just make, making different concessions, but I can still go for a walk or, 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 right. you know, I, I can, I can still go sit outside. I just have to be a little more cognizant of, of how long I'm out there and, all, all those kind of things. And, you know, I mean, I, I can't go to uh, amusement parks anymore and ride rides because my balance just goes into like, you right. know, like some kind of craziness thing. So I'm like, you know what, if, if I can't go and ride a roller coaster anymore, that's not really going to adversely affect the rest of my life. So I can kind of count right. my blessings and you know, I, I'm fine with that. And so I, I think you're right. A big part of this is really, you'll be able to do the things you wanted to do or could do before, you're just gonna have to find out a different way of doing it. And getting to that mindset does take some time, but you know, I, I think it's important for everybody um, as we start to wrap this up here is, you know, if you live with somebody who has GBS or if you have GBS, you know, you're going to go through the phases of, of the depression, of the sadness, of the despair of the, you know, what, what can, I can't do anymore, but working through that and getting to a point of using this experience to understand that, yes, my life is different now, but it's, you know, I'm not necessarily worse off. I just, I'm just doing things differently and and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not broken. I'm still the same person inside. I just have to, you know, kind of do things differently on the outside a little bit. So, I mean, I don't know, Joanne, if you have anything else you want to, to ask here as we wrap this up, but I think it's just, it's a good message that GBS is a process. Uh, you know, th there is no official quote unquote cure for it. So whatever your experience is with it, you're going to have it for probably the rest of your life. But there are ways to adapt. Yeah, I do have one last question. And um, it goes along with what you guys were just talking about. So, you know, you, Jeremy, you had your goals, you had your life path before you started experiencing uh, GBS. So 
I know you had to change your goals and change your plans and find new motivations, um, you know, for your life and your future. So how have your goals changed? Like, what are your goals now, like for your future? What are you hoping that you can achieve? What keeps you um, on this path to continue your recovery process? Uh, great question. Um, I mean, I just would like to get back to a point where I don't feel like I'm going to fall down when I'm walking, that I can like carry groceries into my house with, you know, not as much effort as it takes that I can, if I want to go for a walk that I can just kind of just jump, you know, just go for a walk, not think about it too much. Um, I mean, so yeah, I mean, if in terms of like the goals that I had before, which were primarily, you know, centered around my career and, um, you know, maybe helping a salesperson close a deal, um, and make it, make getting in front of a customer and making sure that I had, you know, a flight or making sure that I was in, you know, my suits were dry cleaned. You know, those were my goals before. Those are my day, everyday goals. Those kind of, you know, when I look back at them, I'm like, well, I don't want to say it's silly, but I mean, in terms of, you know, my, my reality now, no, that's not anywhere. Those things don't have anything to do with my life now at all. Um, not at all. So yeah, my goals have changed a lot. And, um, you know, I want, I'm, I'm inclined to say my goal is just to get better. And of course it is to get better, but, you know, just saying get better is very broad. So I guess, um, for me, getting better means, really kind of finding what I guess we'd call my new normal, you know, and yes. and, and being comfortable with that because I'm not comfortable yeah. with it. No, it, yeah, I can understand you not being comfortable with it. I know I surely it would be hard for me to be comfortable with it as well. And um, I think I like how you have specific goals that you have, you know, being able to go for a walk, not just getting better. I think that is very important in, in anybody's uh, healing, you know, and recovery journey. And, yeah, um, you have to. Yeah, you've got to. Yeah. I mean, if you don't, it, there's no way you can get through it because there's no gauge. You'll never be able to gauge what you're doing. You'll never be. I mean, that's just a that is a prescription for, you know, defeat, you know, not having any kind of thing to set set out to do. I mean, it's just that's not going to work because this isn't the kind of thing. And I think this is important. Something I didn't mention and Matt didn't mention, but. You know, a lot of people who encounter this, they're also their first kind of reaction is, okay, well, I'll just wait it out. This isn't the kind of thing that you can wait out. It's not like a broken leg. It's not a broken arm. This is this. The only really way that you recover is by exerting effort into your recovery. You can sit on a couch for the rest of your life. You will be sitting on a couch for the rest of your life. That's absolutely the, the truth. So. Um, well, you know, that's, you know, when we talk about goals, you know, you, you, that, that sort of supports what I was saying about having to have goals. Yeah. You know? Well, Jeremy, thank you very much for opening up, um, about GBS with us. Um, I certainly learned a lot and I, it sounds like you probably are a very valuable resource to those people in the communities that you are interacting with. And, um, I wish you the best in your in your healing recovery and please keep in touch with us and let us know how you're doing and, you know, the progress that you're having because we definitely yeah, want to. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and, and by the way, yeah, for your audience, if your audience is ever interested and you want to reach out to me, I'd be happy to uh, 
extend myself. I'll give you my email address. You can send me an email if you want to talk about it. Um, if you're going through it and you feel like I could be somebody that'd be useful for you to speak to, I'd be happy to do that with your permission, of course. Yes. If you wanted to, to, uh, you know, provide any kind of contact information because there's, there is safety in numbers in this community and having that validation of somebody who's been there. And even though your experience is different than mine, that's different than somebody else's, just knowing that somebody else knows what it feels like can really go a long way. So yeah, if you have an, any kind of contact info that you'd like to share, yeah, fire away, man. Yeah. So uh, my name is Jeremy Oster. It's J-E-R-E-M-Y. My last name is O-S-T-E-R. Uh, you can find me on Facebook if you use that platform. If you want to email me, um, it's Jeremy, J-E-R-E-M-Y-N-J, like New Jersey, at gmail.com. And um, either either or, um, I'm available. So, you know, if you have questions, if you're taking if you're a caregiver and you uh, you have some questions about, you know, somebody in your family that you're, you, you know, you're concerned about, or if you are a GPS uh, survivor, I guess we could call it, uh, and you want to contact me, I feel free. I try to make myself as available as possible. So, yeah. Thanks again, man, for coming on the show, Joanne, and I appreciate it very much, man. Yeah, no, my pleasure. I, and I appreciate, uh, you know, you being such a a, a eloquent and, and kind person to me when I, I first reached out to you. So thank you, too. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is for educational and informational purposes only. Nothing on this podcast should supersede the direction of a medical doctor or any mental health professional. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcasting app and leave us a review. We would sure appreciate it. Also, please consider sharing this episode with someone who may find it helpful. If you would like more information on working with Matt as your coach, just head over to beyondyourpast.com and schedule your free one-hour chat. If you'd like to learn more about working with Joanne as your coach, please check out joannesuppressi.com and contact her for more information. We're always on the lookout for new guests. If you're interested in joining us on an upcoming episode, just head over to beyondyourpastradio.com and contact us. We'd love to hear from you. Talk to you soon.